All right, welcome to Equipped, a podcast by Connection Church. Equipped is a conversation about multiplying gospel community and fueling spiritual growth. And we have one clear goal, which is to equip leaders to multiply. So we want to help people follow Jesus, make disciples, lead small groups, and plant churches. My name is Austin, and I'll be leading you through today's conversation. Let's get equipped. Um, several months ago, I heard a statement, I think I was listening to another podcast, actually, I heard a statement that someone made, and it really gripped me, like, it actually wrecked me, and it just it stirred something in my heart, it, it captured my imagination, it really stirred a, a longing in my soul for revival, which is something that, if I'm honest, I don't think a lot about, I just revival, man, I, I don't know. I know that's a good thing and we should long for it, but I, I, I find myself just longing for like the next thing. God, like move this Sunday or move this Wednesday. And so I, sometimes I don't get up ahead and dream of the, the big stuff. Like, God, what are you doing in the nation or what are you doing across the world and, and praying for revival? But it really stirred my heart for that. And, and then it went even deeper into like a real practical, like what does this mean like every week when we show up for church or every week when we show up to lead a small group or every week when we show up to serve somewhere or sit down for coffee across the table from somebody, what does this mean? But the statement was this. It's very simple, but the statement is just this. God comes where he is wanted. God shows up where he is wanted. God reveals himself where he is wanted. And that's it, is that God shows up, God comes where he is most wanted. And I know that's really simple, but it just got me thinking like, wow, that, that has massive implications on our gatherings, on how we disciple people. And, you know, I know certainly we have the Spirit of God inside of us, and so he's always with us. But there are times when God makes his presence or his activity known to us in really tangible ways. Uh, maybe you've had an experience in church recently where you're like, I don't know what it is, but but it just seems like God's presence is more tangible. It's more revealed. It's more known to me now than it was last week or whatever. God's always with us, but there are times that He makes His presence and His activity more noticeable, I believe. And, and then certainly God is sovereign, and so I want to be careful to also just pay attention to that, that God can move whenever he wants to, right? Like he doesn't have to wait on us or he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily need us. He can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. He's completely sovereign. But it seems to me that it's consistent with scripture that God is patient and waiting for those who seek him, who desire him, who long for him. And it is to those people that he uniquely reveals himself to. I think about, you know, the brother of Jesus, James, he writes in his book that if you draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Um, I think about the prophet Jeremiah, who, who was writing to a whole nation, but he said that you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. 
I will be found by you, declares the Lord. So there's this kind of reciprocal nature that if, that if you seek me, then you will find me. And so that's what I wanted to just kind of encourage you if you're listening to this today, is just to remind you that God responds to your seeking. He responds to your longing. He responds to your hunger for Him, which is a humbling truth for me as I think about that, because what that means is, is this, that I am right now in my relationship to God as close to Him as I want to be. Did you hear that? Like, you are right now in your relationship to God as close to Him as you want to be. That it is not a matter of if He is there. It's not a matter of if He loves you. It's not a matter of what does He want your relationship to be like. It is simply a matter of do you seek Him? Do you long for Him? Do you hunger after Him? And I really like this language and this visual of hunger. For me, it just makes a lot of sense. So I want to take you back to the Old Testament for just a little bit and remind you of a story. You probably know the story of Moses. Um, you know, God's people are enslaved in Egypt, and he raises up Moses to get them out, to deliver them, which I think is just kind of a side point. I'll add this in here right now on the Equip podcast um, for leaders is that whenever God wants to accomplish something significant in his kingdom, he often raises up leaders to be a part of it. And so if you're listening to this and you're a leader, um, just know God's called you to it and he's raised you up on purpose. If you're listening to this and and maybe you're kind of sitting back on the sidelines and, and, and you're not really sure what your involvement in the church is or your role and that kind of thing, I just want to encourage you to step into the game. Step into it, because when God wants to shift something in culture or in church or in a family or in a community, and He wants to to uh, like cause something to happen in His kingdom, He raises up leaders to initiate it and to carry it out. Okay, anyways, um, so He raises up Moses to deliver His people. And then Moses leads the Israelites out of Egypt to kind of this uh, no man's land, the wilderness, right? And um, God had a plan to lead them from there into the promised land. But because of their disobedience, their lack of acknowledgement of God, um, God causes them to wander for 40 years. Now, this may sound kind of cruel, but God didn't just leave them there to wander. In fact, he, he makes his presence and provision very known to them. And part of how he was proving his faithfulness to his people is by providing, he provided manna for them. He provided food. So think about this. For 40 years, they would wake up and literally have food available for them. They didn't have to hunt. They didn't have to grow crops or anything. God was just providing food for them in the wilderness. So they eventually, Moses dies off. They get a new leader by the name of Joshua. And Joshua leads them in the crossing over the Jordan River and God gets them to a place where they're about to enter into the promised land. I mean, they're, they're standing on the other side of the Jordan River, and they're likely looking at the promised land. I mean, this is their deliverance moment. This is when they are now going to be freed and rescued out of the wilderness, finally into the promised land. And right before they get there, they're fired up, man. They're excited. God's doing miracles, and they're about to get out of the wilderness, and God stops them. 
it's a really fascinating story. You should go read it. Uh, God stops them right there in the wilderness for a little bit more before they go into the promised land. And he stops them there because there's something that God has to do in them before he moves through them, which is an incredible leadership principle as well, that God always moves in you before he moves through you. And there's a few things that happen in that one month that he stops them um, that really fascinate me. But I just want to share with you one of the things that he does, because I think it's really applicable to us as leaders and those who are um, involved in the church. In Joshua chapter 5, um, verse 10, it says this, On the evening of the 14th day of the month, while camped at Gilgal on the plains of Jericho, the Israelites celebrated the Passover. And the day after the Passover, that very day they ate some of the produce of the land, unleavened bread and roasted grain. Verse 12 says that the manna stopped the day after they ate this food from the land. There was no longer any manna for the Israelites. But that year they ate the produce of Canaan. So you got to hear me. So before they get into the promised land, God stops them and he stops the supply of manna. So he cut he cuts off this miraculous supply of food before he takes them into the promised land. Now, the question that I ask is, why would he do that? And I don't really know. I don't, the Bible doesn't tell us why. But I have a few just kind of maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe just thoughts about why would he do this. And here's, here's what I know. Hunger produces a different spirit in you. It produces something different in you. The Israelites had spent 40 years never having to seek after their next meal. It was just given to them. I mean, many of them, think about this, many of them were born in the wilderness. They didn't know, a, they did not know a life other than food was miraculously provided for us. It was just there. They, they didn't know anything else. Now, remember, they know what is next in the promised land, but it's still not an easy thing. It's a still big unknown. Like, what's it going to be like over there? And what are we getting ourselves into? I mean, Jericho is this fortified city, big walls, no way for us to get in. What are we going to do? And I just think that there was a part of them that was second guessing whether they should move forward or not. There's a part of them that's sitting there as they're staring into the promised land, staring at Jericho going, I mean, do we have what it takes to do this? I mean, these are, these are people who continue to doubt God, even though he was providing their food, he parted the waters, all kinds of miracles. So what God does is he says, if they don't have miraculous food, then they are forced to take the land because that's where the food is. So if they don't have just food showing up for them, miraculous manna showing up, then they will have to move forward into Canaan so that they can get food. So it's almost as if God knew that for them to get all that the promised land had to offer, both the challenge and the joy, that they would have to want it, they would have to long for it, and they would have to hunger for it. And so there was something that God was doing and producing hunger in them that would move them to the next thing. They needed, this is how I wrote it in my notes, they needed a hunger for what God wanted for them more than the comfort of what he had already provided. They needed a hunger for what God wanted for them in their future 
more than the comfort of what they had already, what he had already provided. And so God uses literal physical hunger in the Israelites. But I think the, the question for me and you is, is, do we have a hunger for God? Like, like is, is our hunger for God stronger than the comfort of what he has already provided? Let me just ask you that question. Is your hunger for God stronger than the comfort, than the life that he has already given you? Because sometimes what can happen is you can stall out in your faith. You can stall out of wanting God to do more with your life when you just find comfort in what he's already done. I mean, certainly contentment is a thing and rejoicing in what he has done in your life. But man, I know this, like, I don't want to just settle for yesterday's manna. I don't just want to live on what God did for me last year or last month or last week. Like, I want fresh manna. I, and, and sometimes we can just live off of what he did last year or last week that we're not hungry for, God, what do you want to do next in my life? What are you trying to stir in me? And so we lose our hunger. And so what he did for the Israelites is he forced them into hunger. And, you know, maybe God needs to force us into hunger, but maybe a better thing is, is how do I stir up my own hunger so that I'm not just living off of yesterday's manna? You know, too many people that I meet, that I come across, like the, the last powerful thing that God did in their life is save them. <laughs> you know, and, and we should absolutely rejoice in that moment. But, man, if, if God saved you 20 years ago, and you've got nothing in those 20 years since then that you can point to and go, this is how God's moved in my life. This is how he changed me. This is what he did in my family. This is what he did in my marriage. This is what he did for me and my friends. Then you're just living off of manna that he provided 20 years ago. And so what I want to challenge us toward is let's hunger for the next thing. Let's hunger for what God is doing. And um, I really believe that he is looking for people who are hungry. People who are, are not content with just going through the motions, people who hunger for his presence, people who hunger for opportunities to show his love, people who hunger to serve as they have been served, forgiven as they have been forgiven, people whose hunger causes them to live sacrificially and give sacrificially in ways that causes the rest of the world to go, man, that, that doesn't make sense. Like he is looking for people who are hungry. And perhaps the places that God wants to take you spiritually, physically, relationally, emotionally, perhaps they're on the other side of a fresh hunger for him. So God comes where he's wanted. God shows up where there's a hunger for him. And God uses that hunger to reveal and accomplish his will like he did um, by pushing the Israelites into the promised land. So if hunger is the space that he's familiar with, if hunger in a person is what he responds to. That's, that's the internal makeup of the person that he shows up to. Then my concern is this. Could it be that we often invite God to inhabit a space that he's not familiar with? You know, if, if a hungry heart, a hungry person is the person that he shows up to, could it be that we often invite him to inhabit a space that he is unfamiliar with? He's like, I don't see any hunger. There's no desire for me there. 
Like no one's seeking me in that church. And God, God, protect us. Like I pray that that is not what he thinks of our church. I don't think that's what he thinks of our church. Because as I look at our church, it seems like he shows up frequently. But God, protect us from ever becoming a people who lose a hunger. I mean, I want, I want God to, to look at us and go, man, those people hunger after me. If he comes where he's wanted, may he see us as a people who constantly are hungry for him, wanting him to move. Um, you know, I'm coming up on 10 years of pastoral ministry this year. So I've just taken this year to reflect a lot on what those 10 years have been like and the things that I've learned and thinking back to my first few years as a pastor and what that was like. And, and I have been in, I don't even know if I were to count thousands of church services. I've been in tons of prayer meetings and Bible studies and discipleship things. Um, and I've often thought, you know, what is the difference between those church services or those gatherings where it seems like God's presence is so real intangible, or where it's just like, man, we met with God, or that was from God. What's the difference between that and something that's the opposite of that? And I used to just think that it was kind of random chance, like God just, I don't know, God chose to show up on this one, or God, I don't know, for whatever reason, He, he chose to not show up on this one, or not to reveal Himself in this one. Um, but here's what I've come to actually believe. I believe it has more to do with are the people hungry for him. And I can point back to the times where there seemed to be a a radical experience of God in a service or in a Bible study or in a prayer meeting. And I can point back on the ones where that took place and go, you know what? I think it had more to do with the people in the room were hungry for him. They showed up with an expectation. And like I said, God's sovereign and he can show up even if people aren't hungry for him. But most of the time it happens when there is a hunger and an expectation, a longing. And that doesn't have to be anything like super radical and, and wild necessarily. Um, it could just people, people show up with a hungry heart. Like, all right, Lord, today I need a word from you. God, reveal yourself to me through your word or through prayer. Like, God, God teach me something. But they show up with a hunger. Or really, you know, I do think that sometimes there's something valuable to like how we position our bodies to say, God, I'm not just going through the motions, but I'm hungry for you. So I lift my hands in a a little bit of an awkward way, or I put my hands out in front of me, or I get on my knees, or I get on my face before you just to like with my body cry out, God, I am hungry for you. And so I think I would just encourage, you know, if you're part of our church or maybe you're not, you're listening to this, is just encourage you both. Um, personally and, and corporally as you gather with your church, your community, to think about, man, what is my hunger like? Do, do I hunger after him? Or do we as a church hunger after him? And I think that when we do that, man, those are the times when we see God show up in a radical, powerful way. So hope that this makes sense. Hope that it's encouraging. And uh, man, let's, let's hunger for him together. God bless.